0: I can just start, you know? I can just go <coughs> straight in and do like, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: whatever do, you want to do. Do, do, so, the cough, do the cough from Sweetleaf.
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> I, can, I can do that exact cough. It's because um, I, I live quite near to Birmingham, so um, I can do that exact cough in the correct accent.
1: Yep, right. You have the accent down.
0: Yeah. i are covering got, the cough uh, only. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We we do the music part, but that feels a bit too pedestrian, a bit too a bit too obvious, so we're just gonna cover the cough. That's the and, hard part anyway.
0: It's gonna be a double yep. album. Uh, the other side is gonna be the, the cough from the end of Dope Throne by Electric mm-hmm. Wizard. It's gonna be, gonna be just two coughs back to back. Me and Brian are gonna
1: <laughs> get on this somehow. Yeah, see the the funniest thing about this, I I, I went back and listened to like five or six of y'all's uh podcast over the last couple of days and
0: oh god i'm sorry uh,
1: and i i've realized like how into metal the two of you guys are and like uh-huh. you you literally have the the least metal two of thou yeah. yes like we
2: barely <laughs> listen to funny, any right? of that stuff I mean, this is extremely good let's have just grill you guys about like so how do you feel about pagan altar and you're like I, i'm not sure that i've heard be like which one's your favorite one and you're like, I, I don't know i don't know like
3: no idea is that a band or did you make that up that's a band
0: <laughs> okay name every F, um, member of gua you, know you
3: know way more than i do you know a lot about metal i mean the yeah, but the, yeah, but the,
1: yeah but the metal stuff i listen to is like punk stuff not metal stuff <laughs> you know like the, yeah. mo- the, the most metal stuff i listen to is like metal bands that have become that are metal bands by way of like ex-punks
0: that's a lot, like Neurosis more than, with, with, more with than me. a crust punk band.
1: Yeah, like Neurosis or Bell Voices or Ashbor or something like that. Yeah,
0: yeah, a lot of good like former punk metal bands. They,
2: Wait, did Ashbor be... start as a start as like a hardcore band?
1: Well, I didn't know that. they were just punk dudes. You know, well, we just we just kind of knew yeah. them from like be, like as being punks.
2: All right, because I was like, because they're extremely metal. like <laughs> That's, yeah, I thought that
1: was surprising to me. But yeah, yeah, fell voices too. But like, I, you know, I know Mike, Mike Rack from that band when he was in like a a pop punk band called Elliot Fucking Smith.
4: What? Really?
1: Oh, that's that's oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> was it really a pop punk podcast. band?
1: Yeah, Elliot Fucking Smith. They played uh Shea Cafe with. uh Graf warlock and jonathan west band the ghostwood yeah. james the guy that uh james Whitney, the guy who records all our records was in a pop punk band called the ghostwood that i went on tour with and they played Shea cafe in san diego and uh mike Rex's pop punk band played it it was awesome
2: Wait, Graf warlock played shows of the pop punk band that pop punk band oh, must yeah. have fucking slayed like th- is this going to be the thing that finally gets me into pop punk because i keep feeling like <laughs> i'm right on the edge but i was like I was exactly the age where hearing pop punk brought to ban- brought to mind a bunch of types of bands that I like. Quickly got mm. to and underground stuff for, which you know, it, it, as an adult, I think that's kind of dumb because I love yeah. plenty of like Blink One Two stuff. No
0: Effects, the Vandals. That whole that that was like my youth. There was the skater kids who were into Blink White Two No Effects and the Vandals, nothing else.
2: I remember that like really golden. Initial run of Green Day. And right as that went off, I got like way into Metallica and Judas Priest. And then I just mm. shot like off in a new in metal, which is. <laughs> <laughs> I
4: couldn't
0: even like name a extant pop punk band right now. Like, a, I know there's probably a few still touring. I know Blink Light 2 is still around. Uh...
1: Turnstile. Do they count? Are
0: they? Are they <laughs> yeah. I, think
1: I mean, so. I, g- I think that they, they sound like a 311 was a pop punk band.
2: I mean, did I guess I like because
0: I like them. Did, so? uh,
3: did you see Nick Hexum loves Turnstile? What? That makes sense. He, he covered <laughs> one of their songs. Wait, is it Turnstile? Maybe, no, it has to be Turnstile. Uh, yeah, he said, this is like my new favorite band and covered one of their songs on his Instagram,
2: which is very funny to me.
3: So I'm checking now to see if it's Turnstile just to make sure I might be wrong
2: this is already so fascinating trying to, like, <laughs> trying to wrap my brain around that
0: yeah <laughs> so folks um pop punk discourse aside we got like absolute like cream of the crop of the bucket list on today
2: yeah
0: I- like i just I
2: straight up still can't believe it. Like I, I'm, I'm trying to like, I'm like, no, you have to say words at them. Like it's not really yeah. all that interesting if you just sit and gawk in silence. But I'm like, fuck, they're
0: they're on the phone. Fuck. We're like... yeah, we're just gonna be doing this like whole I'm not worthy bit from Wayne's World a lot. Um, <laughs> I'm Wayne for
3: me and Brian for us. Obviously. Yeah, you got you got the two like ding dongs to look. <laughs> That's very flattering, but yeah, we are more excited to like be invited to do this, I'm sure, than you guys are not. having us on. Oh,
2: yeah. Look, I've not. heard your <laughs> records. You don't know how excited they make me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, that's it. Yeah, yeah when, when, when you say, when you shouted <laughs> behind the mask, another mask, I felt that, okay? <laughs> I, I felt that shit. Because sometimes you, you do put on two masks, like Halloween I- and shit. And right. like, I can't see. Oh, well, I put on a second mask. And I is mean, this Corey the- Taylor talking about has a mask pro-
2: behind a mask. Well, I mean, on the last record tour of theirs, I guess not this newest one. That was a weird period where Slipknot decided one guy should have two masks. And it's like, man, you already have nine masks up there. Why are you, I guess, tens a rounder number? It's mm. overkill, you know? They don't need yeah. all that.
0: So, yeah. Folks at home, this this is uh, Brian and Mitch from Dow, um, which I always pronounce the the O W like the Dow Jones because I'm I, I'm working class British and I can't do T H sounds. And um, yeah, probably one of my favourite bands, top five in the world right now, like top five.
1: Who are the like, other four?
0: Uh, okay. <laughs> Mountain Goats. That's always that going to be great. like a. On one, fair. Got
1: yeah. A couple of good songs.
0: Um, <laughs> I yeah, love that
2: yeah, Goths Goth album.
0: The, the Mountain Goats fandom is very divided on Goths.
2: Yeah, it's I, literally yeah, like it's any, any given person you talk to, half of them are like brilliant record and the other half are like... Mm. But I mean, that's that's been the case ever since they... Uh, well, ever since he stopped being a solo lo-fi act and actually got a band right. around him. It seems like every band record has been that kind of device which made it like really exciting to me when the last mountain (coughs) goats record that sort of surprise released like a week or two ago was another solo lo-fi one
0: Mm.
3: Uh,
2: what's his name john donnell right
3: yeah yeah he was at one of our shows once and tweeted about brian's t-shirt and i was like
0: very cool (laughs) yeah he he has has impeccable taste in Uh, in t-shirts and
2: He's in a bunch of like Facebook metal groups and he is always posting about the most obscure shit. Like, straight up, like, I have one seven inch that two guys recorded and had 10 copies of. Uh, I uploaded it to YouTube. And it's like, nice, thanks. (laughs) That rules. All right, what are the other ones?
0: Oh, God. You put them on the spot. Yeah, Pig, Pig Destroyer are a big one for me. I got in okay. They were like the first, like really, really heavy band I I got into, and I'm they're
2: from, like I'm from Northern Virginia, so I have to like
0: pick Destroyer. Yeah, like we're required. You know, have to like top five in the whole world history of music bands. Um, like them. Um, no. let, let me see who else. Um, I mean, probably gonna have to say Black Sabbath. They're gonna be in there. Classic. Yeah. Oh yeah. Duh. Yeah. That's kind, of, that's kind of a no no brainer. Um, Gotta
3: like,
0: and um, mm, this is a hard one, hard one to round out. Um, shit, it's really hard. <laughs> like, a, a younger me would have said neutral milk hotel,
3: okay? But older me just grew out of it.
0: I didn't, I don't know if I grew out of it. Like, I, I just haven't listened to any of their stuff for about four years. That's
2: pretty I normal about yeah. getting older. Like, at some point, you're like do I want to hear a grown man sing about Anne Frank the way that he does again? Uh, and Party okay, brands like, no, I don't. I don't need that.
0: <laughs> we've had this conversation. You've totally misinterpreted those lyrics.
2: I, I, um, and look, every every single person agrees with me. It's weird. It's weird how he sings about her. It's weird. It's this is, this is bringing, me, bringing me back to high
3: school with the conversations I would have with my friends super late at night. <laughs> this is pretty <laughs> we, funny.
2: We can qualify how exactly weird it is, but it's definitely weird. It's on the weird scale. We may just disagree on where it's landing, but
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. But so, so let, let, let's turn that one around because that was hard for me. I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna put you through this. So uh, Mitch and Brian, between you, you have to collectively decide on a on a dial top five uh, music acts of all time. Top mm-hmm.
1: five dial bands. Of, of, of... <laughs>
0: Just bands that we
1: like, as a
2: band that we yeah, would yeah, all agree as a collective on.
0: Collective of people, Us? you have to decide. I mean, I the, really uh, love
1: top, top
2: five thou bands. Number one, thou. All right, we're done. <laughs> 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 uh,
3: I'd, first one that comes to mind is Fiona Apple. Yeah. Right, Brian. Okay. Yeah. yeah,
4: that's
1: very fair. Nirvana. Yeah,
0: yeah. You makes sense. Expensively, that wouldn't Pro, make a lot Pearl of sense. Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam for sure.
1: Pearl a surprise. Like
0: uh, I
1: mean, the, not. How, I love I the I about Dido? Oh, uh, not dido? good. Why you like Dido? Yeah, I like Dido. Oh, I didn't, I didn't, like, I didn't like I top I was the only one wave
0: of all all musicians. Like this is this includes like the Beatles, <laughs> Led Zeppelin, Rolling <laughs> Stones, and oh, yes yeah. yeah. You know, well, wh- Dido, dido way is over
3: there. Dido. Dido. Yeah, Dido's a little higher than some of those. Way uh, higher than those. All right, Fiona Apple, Pearl Jam. What was the other one you said? Nirvana. 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 What do we all agree on?
1: That we'd all agree on. I don't know if this is counting KC though. I don't know if they would agree on uh on Pearl Jam? <laughs> on Peel
3: <Jam>. Primus? <laughs> mm, nah. For you everyone likes Primus except for I you. I mean they're okay. Alright. I know I know Matthew, <laughs> Andy, and Tyler freak out over Primus. Or did. So almost Primus.
2: I would fucking love to hear you guys cover Primus like that. I would. <laughs> that would be so oh, fucking funny. You'd probably do a good job, but it would also be. You know, We've we been talking
3: about it. We got anyway, one in mind. Is
2: it? Ooh, which, is which, it which off the of frizzle Fry?
3: Can we say it? Should we just no. do a surprise? Uh, you can keep <laughs> no. it a
2: surprise if you want. Like I, I want to know, but you know, you, you, you do you guys. Hey,
1: we'll you say it, but you guys have to bleep it out.
0: Okay. <laughs> Done.
1: Done. One hundred percent. Yeah, no, that's
0: Yeah, yeah we can uh, do that. We we bleep stuff all the time.
2: We're covering Warsets a song slurs. called What which we were doing? Oh my god. Oh <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah. I won't even say the record that one's from, but it's from my favorite one. I have never uh, said my favorite one on air, so they don't so no one knows but me. Nobody but... knows. Well, yeah. that is definitely something
3: we are planning on doing
0: one day. Nice, do it. Yeah.
3: Um, so maybe maybe there's just three bands that we can all agree on. Okay. Well, that's,
0: that's fair. There's there's like there's, there's, there's a few of you. Yeah. 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 Okay. The, yeah, I've, I've got to ask this. Like, how many people are in, are in Dal? Wikipedia says four. Pictures it's say good. many different things. <laughs> Metal
2: Archives right now says six, but you know, uh, six. Yeah. There
0: are six. six. Okay.
2: Metal Archives once again. It's very bad. It's so many things, but knowing exactly six. how many people are in a band, it's good. <laughs>
4: yeah, uh, I would, no, I would I say just... six,
1: six regular, six regulars,
3: six regular. Yeah, em- Emily's like the fifth Beatle for sure. <laughs> I would say Emily's like a distant band member, but you know is definitely in there.
0: Uh, so six slash maybe seven.
3: Yeah, yeah but, Brian... I mean, I
1: would, I would, I would count James Whitten, too.
3: Oh, that's true. James is sort of like the seventh beetle of the so band. So that's like eight. Yeah.
1: What are that eight? You don't so. count. You don't count Melissa. I mean Emma, almost at this point.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah. It's more like a collection <laughs> now. Yeah, so like nine or ten. I don't know.
0: Can um, me and Langdon be uh, numbers <laughs> eleven and twelve? Like you guys want to join yeah what, yeah. what do you guys Thank play? You. Don't. Uh, I can just guess. The clock.
2: I mean, yeah, I can, I can, call. I, I, can
0: call. I can, I can,
2: I can hit some drums and stuff. I can oh, play perfect. guitar. Okay. Like if you want to mix me real low, like, <laughs> someone's like, is that a sound effect? And it's like, no, it's a really low mixed guitar. <laughs> it's like, Oh, nice. <laughs> Does he know how to play the song? It's like, nah, I don't think he learned. <laughs> well, that's half of our members right there. <laughs> If you stack enough fuzz pedals and tune yeah. your guitar to C standard, you don't actually need to know how to play any song. No,
4: it's
1: fine. The it's,
2: guitar
4: it's pro- will
0: make
1: the right sound. I mean, it's probably everybody except the Andy and Tyler at this point.
0: Yeah. So, so how does the band, like, how, does, how do you guys work as a collective, as this, like, large group of people? Is there, like, a core? Like, are you the core?
3: Uh, Andy and Matthew are the ones that usually write the music. They will have a couple riffs, bring them to practice, play them, and then uh Brian and I and Tyler will like. I think we're a little better at rearranging and uh I don't know shaping. I mean, if they don't have something together, but if they do, it's usually like, yeah, that's great. Let's just learn it and play this song.
1: Yeah, we we haven't even really written that much with Tyler yet. Uh. Other than the Emma stuff, right? Uh, or or KC. Other than the acoustic stuff, uh, and I can't even remember. They might have only been there for a couple of the practices for the acoustic stuff. Um, but yeah, that's basically it. And Andy Andy and Matthew might even have like a whole song when they when they come to practice. You, usually it's it's like a riff or two one of them will have like a riff or two and then the other one will magically have a riff or two also that fits perfectly with what the other one was writing. And then we'll have a song or one of them will have a song and the other one will be able to pick up some, you know, some of the major points like real quick. And then the rest of us kind of just jump in.
4: Cool.
2: Thanks. You guys clearly have like an incredibly functional songwriting system going because it's not just that you guys have, you know, a like a staggering amount of material, which which you do. That's well noted. But like, it's all also v- like very well regarded. Like the lowest regarded thing is still regarded better than a lot of other bands, like Middle. Um, so it's it's the shockingly consistently good thing. that's also it, like it's mind boggling from the outside. Like um, I work at a couple um, like uh, uh like music publications and things like that. And, you know, during 2018, when you were dropping, you know, like the series of EPs and then Magus, and then you also had the split
0: of the summer of thou.
2: we knew that we all that we wanted to cover all of it. But then it was the question of like, how, how are we going to cover all of it, which then prompted the second question? How the fuck did you guys write and record all of that? Like, (laughs) Being like, it's, well, it's challenging enough to even just try to figure out like, oh, you know, all of this stuff's great and deserves, you know, critical attention because it's all really solid material that they clearly, you know, did a really good job on.
3: Well, we thank didn't you. write it all at once. And yes, yeah, thank you. That's very <laughs> flattering. Very nice to say. Uh, we didn't write it all at once. Some of that we just had on the back burner for a little while and found the right time to release it.
4: Which yeah, I mean, it was
3: a lot.
1: Yeah, I mean that that all of that stuff was sort of like um, a happy accident, you know. Because like the the Ray, the Ray of Sylvia stuff was was stuff we'd recorded probably like a year before we even finished Magus, and then uh, Magus we probably spent. What do you What do you think, Mitch? Like two years? It was like a while. Two, two years, because everybody had moved. Mitch had moved to Southern California. Andy had moved to Oakland. So we just we're having a lot of trouble getting together, uh just staying focused, basically. Um, and
3: the Reyes Silvia stuff was even mostly written. Uh Matthew and I were in another band called Raya Silvia, and when I moved, he just took those songs and like used them for Thou, basically. So that was like oh. didn't take a long time
1: to write. Yeah, he, uh, he bas yeah, he he had he had recorded a acoustic demo of all pretty much all those Rea Silvia songs, which is and, really uh, we, good. Yeah, and no, we just we just basically learned the acoustic versions as heavy as you know, vowel versions. Right. But we we really didn't even change. I don't. I, we we barely changed anything. A- Andy and Mitch. Uh, I mean, they basically learned that stuff in like a practice, if even that, and went you know came in the studio and and just overdubbed all their parts over the rest of it that we'd already recorded. So, so it, it was it was pretty simple.
2: Do you see those? Uh, so this is something that sort of. Um uh hovered in my mind in the mind of a couple other people who uh especially write about your stuff with one of the questions of like how do we properly capture certain things? Do you consider all of those releases that came out in 2018 like a set, or is it like that they are all considered independent by you guys but were deliberately put very close to each other to just like really saturate
1: uh i mean it's it's a little bit of both. Uh, a part part of it was that we just, you know, we we knew we sort of had a reputation for putting out a lot of material, um, and then we hadn't put anything out for I don't know, three or four years at that point, and anything substantial. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know. Part of it was like sort of like an ego thing of, um, you know, <laughs> well here's we haven't you. People acted like we haven't done shit. Here's a pile of shit. Here you go. Uh, And, you know, and part of it, too, like was the the fun of, um, you know, just releasing those every month. Uh, Like like my original idea for it was to not even have no sort of like announcement or say anything about it. Just kind of do it like they would just show up on the band camp every month. There'd just be a new, you know, record. Um, you know, and then once you sort of get labels involved they they have a thing or two to yeah. say about that, but um, <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know i mean part part of it was just kind of like the idea of just like um, I don't know, doing something that um would be fun for us and kind of stir the pot a little bit and get people kind of talking about it um and and then another big part of it was you know we usually with like a full length, we'll have an EP that's like the, the companion piece a sort of like B size or whatever. Um, but then with this record, we, we didn't really have that. Like it, it took, it took so much just to finish the record that, you know, basically everything we wrote went into it and everything kind of fit into it. Uh, you know, whereas usually we'll have a couple extra songs that like, don't quite fit the record that we'll shave off. Um, you know, but that whatever that EP is usually sort of gets lost in the mix. You know, well, if we release it at the same time, people are sort of talking about the full length, but kind of disregarding the the EP, which is like not not material that we like think is subpar, just something that didn't quite fit on the record. Um, and so we didn't, we didn't want these EPs to get lost. So the idea of sort of like releasing them first as sort of like teasers, for the full length, but also like not being uh, not like a single, just like more material. I don't know. I, you know, I, these, I I think about bands that, that'll do like, um, I guess like more mainstream bands that'll release like a single ahead of a, a record to sort of like push it. And, and I, I just, I don't know. I, I never, I never really liked that as much as I liked when a band would just release more material to sort of hype this other thing that was coming out. I always thought that was like a little bit cooler.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It sort of ties like one of my favorite things like related to music was, um, how to support melancholy and the infinite sadness. Um, the smashing pumpkins put out, um, a maxi single for every single one of the singles that they put out. And aside from, you know, the first track, which was, you know, the, the single itself, all of the others were even more B-sides, and so when you added up the full and, you know, then eventually releasing all of those maxi-singles as the big box set the aeroplane flies high, so you wind up finding out, like, only at the tail end, that, like, the melancholy overall experience is straight up, like, seven and a half hours worth of music or something, and it's just like, (laughs) what the fuck? But because they had, like, one double-disc record, but then you get a little basically EP-style in like subscription installment you know repeatedly after that to just continuously build this thing
1: yeah i like that to- i i like that idea but i would even strip <laughs> off the sink like not even have the single yeah like have the uh you know the ep minus the single be the thing pushing i think it's like cool like did like pearl jam did when they when they did that um whatever that like uh kind of old oldies cover um you know what what is that what is that song Mitch the car crash it, song
3: yeah 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 about dying in the car crash
1: yeah cuz that came oh. out right before right before record and that song was just a huge you know it was just on some like benefit comp you know it wasn't even like a song off the record i i don't know i i think i think stuff like that's cool and and I, i'm you know the the sort of like the bigger Valve gets or like the more we we sort of have to deal with labels or whatever that have a sort of um kind of traditional cookie cutter approach to like how they present the music and all this stuff like i i love whenever i get the chance to like do one of those things but in a way that isn't the sort of standard way of releasing things i think is is real fun and like makes for like real interesting like it 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 I feel like it pushes the art a little bit because it's sort of like what can we do to, to to fulfill this thing that they want us to do but in a way that's like fun and creative I think is, is like a really interesting thing
0: Are you guys on a label right now? you actually signed? Or uh, is that an album to album thing?
1: Handshake it, it's deal al- with sacred yeah, things Yeah, it's album to album but I, I, I can't imagine uh, us doing doing too much off of sacred bones no i i actually just
3: interviewed caleb who runs sacred bones the other day for some little thing i'm doing on the side and uh he was saying how happy he was that you know we've been working with them and it was really nice i don't think uh i don't you know unless they kick us out of there it's <laughs> been a good fit for us yeah
1: i mean i i could i could lady. see us yeah, all, I can see us doing stuff uh, in addition to Sacred Bones if we had some ideas for stuff that, you know, didn't quite fit or they weren't into it or, or somebody approached us with a very specific thing, uh, idea in mind, or there was, there was, you know, some kind of project that would really fit a particular label. But, um, yeah, on a whole, I can't, I can't really see us, you know, doing too much. I mean, we'll probably still do stuff with Adam Bartlett, uh, yeah, we'll just do forever. Yeah, God, I love Gilead. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't, Adam, Adam too. Most, he's great dude. Yeah, Adam's great. Most <laughs> most of the labels we we've done stuff with, we it it was less about like the label and more about the people behind the label and us kind of wanting to, uh you know, collaborate with them on something. You know, and, and that's just that's just kind of at least for me, that's how I have kind of always looked at the labels as um, like a. A collaborative project the same the same way we would approach like a split or or like a a musical collaboration or something you know we we try to get it to fit the thing
0: yeah and that's very different from like the like a fan's perspective like i see like oh my one of my favorite bands is signed to one of my favorite labels they're like in a little group now with all the other cool bands on the sacred bones like uniform or whoever um but for you guys like being it been there and talking to these people it's like these are people and they have jobs and they work and the running sacred bones is their job and they're good at their job or they're bad at their job and you want to work with them on their job which is also you putting out a record
3: yes i mean the, (laughs) the the idea of working with them has been it it was a big deal to me because I've just been a fan of the labels, so even like before I knew the people, I just loved yeah. the bands that they had on the, mm-hmm. the, the layouts of their records. always was like really striking and really interesting. And just the caliber of bands was like amazing to me. Uh, and it, it always seemed like some pie in the sky idea because they didn't really have metal bands. But by the time that we met some of them, they were like, Saying they were also interested in working with us, which was very mm-hmm. unbelievable. But then, when we got to meet them, you know, like get to know them a little bit better, it's like, oh, these are really great people that we just do want to
4: do stuff with. <laughs> yeah.
0: Cool. So we're coming up to about halfway, so it's time time for you guys to drop a, a bombshell on us mm. by uh, really by um, just saying a, a song by Dao. And we will play it. We will insert it into the episode right now.
1: Uh, let's uh, let's do the let's do the Sabbath cover, but uh, let's put Sweetleaf in here.
0: Okay. Can I mean, we do you, that? Can
1: you can you intro it with yeah. a ca- cough? You intro it with a cough, and, and we'll okay, <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm pretty cough. <laughs> That's not the Sweetleaf cough. It's kind of my own take. Uh, you, on can, it, but, you can you can know. you can
1: overdub a better cough than that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I'm. I'll probably like do a few takes, like post, okay. and just like. Really get some, really get some blood flowing. Literally. Also, like feel,
2: feel feel free to like comp, you know, like like a new master take. So like, do you know like a couple dozen coughs, and then be like, oh, yeah. I like the first, like you know, 10, sort of like ten microseconds them. here, and you know, so I'm gonna get those.
0: <laughs> I, I, I should like put put tons of coughs on top of each other. You know, like like on Tones on Minerva, used a thousand guitar tracks. And I'll just lay out a thousand coughs.
2: That can't. So, that can't be true. That they can't. It, they it, couldn't it, have it, done one like thousand guitar tracks. Well, they
0: did like personally record it. I think they used some like digital technology to that, like they probably, like record, did a load and used some digital stuff to slightly change every one or something. But
2: okay, because I was like, I, I I feel like I feel like any DAW would crash if you had one thousand <laughs> guitar tracks. <But> That's <laughs>
0: it. Yeah, it, I could've it could've like
2: our it album never 100. came out because it couldn't. It couldn't render. Like we we finished it, but then the computer broke, so we just recorded a whole new one.
4: Hmm. I was like, like if, why didn't we just
2: delete some of the guitar tracks? And they're like, well, I mean, we're Deftones. That's not. That's yeah. not on the table.
0: Yeah, uh, compromise. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so yeah, we're gonna play play a little Sweetleaf here. <coughs> So one of the things I always find really cool about Dao as a band is uh, lyrically and in terms of song titles, and even like your album art, your t shirts, everything, uh it's just like a cut above everyone else. Like it, it's smarter, it's more it's more literate, it's uh, more political, it's like good politics, you know? And um so like where do where do the like literary and like artistic sides of the songs come from. who's who's like responsible for deciding, okay, we've got this riff. The song is gonna be about this?
1: Oh, that's O'Brien. I that's... I mean it's it's probably mainly me, but I mean we I mean we we definitely talk about stuff and come up with some ideas together. There's definitely stuff that just pops up from us, you know, fucking around or joking about something or uh
3: um... I... We do you know, have pr- a lot of T-shirts Br- from just Br- jokes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, but right. No, the literary stuff and the the design is all Brian. He's the mastermind behind all that, mm-hmm.
1: which is yeah, like. Yeah, but I mean, even a, even large a lot of
3: part the... of why people like us, which is great.
1: <laughs> yeah, but even a lot of the literary stuff is like coming. You know, it's like, um, like I, I I wouldn't have stolen all of that stuff from Malzon if Matthew hadn't turned me on to reading. Right the malazon series so it's sort of like you know it's 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 coming from all of us to to you
2: some extent the, the second person that i respect that is uh mentioned the malazon series i have literally despite well, being great. like neck deep in fantasy hadn't heard of it before like a couple of years ago so
1: yeah me that's... me neither I, I i read it um uh i read it whenever we did the friendship tour so probably like Three years ago, something like that. Uh, like all yeah, of great. them, or oh yeah, I I I like inhaled them basically. I, I had I had them all on uh on a Kindle, and I think I read all of them within a couple of months at the most. So,
0: I I didn't even know what this series is. Like Ma- Malazan Malison...
1: Book of the Fall, Vol- Book of the Fallen.
0: Okay, what? Tell tell us about it.
1: Yeah, is it is it Erickson? Is that who wrote it? uh steven erickson yeah yeah i don't i mean i don't know much about it um i mean it came from steven erickson and the other guy that writes in that world um had like a, a dnd or a gurps campaign or something and and so they basically had created this world some characters in their gaming campaign, and they both pulled different characters from that and sort of just built this, this world. It's basically like um, this huge extended um, war, like kind of world war uh, in a a kind of grim and gritty high fantasy setting. Um, Yeah, that's, that's the gist of it. But the, the the thing that's kind of cool about it at least this, uh, the the Stephen Erickson books is uh he'll he'll basically take um like one kind of social theme like religion or capitalism and he'll spend a whole book of the characters sort of like uh either metaphorically or um or just them kind of like waxing in the narrative like dissecting whatever that is whatever that 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 issue is um and it's awesome it's incredible i, I stole so much stuff from that from that series Qu- quotes and um I, I don't know if i grabbed anything that i used as lyrics but i there's definitely a ton of quotes when i was doing we were doing the um the tyrant uh reissue and um uh, maybe the summit reissue. Probably, there's probably some stuff on Magus. Um, yeah, a lo- bunch of the t-shirts have have quotes from that series. I, I I love. That was awesome. It's it's pretty brutal. Like I should say, uh, <laughs> for people who need like a like a trigger warning, there is some like real. Um, rough, there's some rough stuff in there, um, but it's 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 definitely good and it's definitely. Uh, I think the. The kind of politics and the in the p- kind of playing out in the background are definitely are definitely good. It, it's 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 really well written. the f- The first book I think is um, was Steve Erickson's the first book he wrote. I want to say, and um, the first half of that first book is a little. It's 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 not the best writing. It's not bad. It's just it's hard to sort of. Uh, there's a lot of characters. And there's a lot of stuff going on, so it's kind of hard to follow. But once you make it past like that that first half of the first book, the writing just just exponentially gets better every book. It's it's incredible.
2: Apparently there are 21 of them out right now with a <laughs> yeah. 22nd coming soon. Um the good well, news for you, Gareth, is the main cycle is apparently just 10
0: books. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. That's, there, that's nothing. There,
1: they're they're long too. They they're I mean I read them on the Kindle, so I wasn't really paying attention. But I want to say they're like in that kind of like Robert Jordan like five hundred to eight hundred pages of a novel, something like that.
2: Well, they can't be worse than Robert Jordan, so that means it's still <laughs> probably good to read. That's my hot All fantasy right. take. I do not like Wheel of Time.
1: I I, I like <laughs> uh, I liked Wheel of Time a lot when I was uh, a teenager. And then I think I put it down, you know it it whatever whatever it broke off of twenty yeah. years ago or whatever is is where I stopped, and then when it when it was going to get finished i I reread all of them and then and then read through the the last two that uh Brandon Sanders wrote, but um yeah, it's wheel of time will time could have been about i don't know five or six books shorter than it was
2: yeah, I had the, the same issue as anyone of like I really, really love the first book i still think that if you read the first book and then ignore all the rest and just go ah it's a shame you never finished this because it's so promising you get something better than i think the part that drove me up the wall i think it was around book five or book six or something like that there's straight up like 200 pages that deals with like one afternoon yeah and i'm like it's
1: I'm like, bro, get, Jesus! Like, yeah. <laughs> get an editor. Oh my God! Like, it, it's I mean, it makes no sense. It is like no yeah. rhyme or reason to why you stretch it out as long as you, it's it's silly. It, it,
2: and it's still like sprinkled with these little brilliant things where you're like, okay, no, I get, I get why you're doing this, but and I would like this. I just want it to be an eighth the size.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. There's uh, I'm trying to think. There's another series. Another series like that too. We may just think of the Game of Thrones stuff.
0: So look I, Are you primarily a fantasy guy?
1: Uh in terms of like the the novels I read, uh that that's like the stuff I read for pleasure. But I I I'm trying to think the last thing I read, uh Malazan might have been the last thing I read. And that was probably a few years ago. I mean in terms of like a novel uh and that was probably a few years ago when i finished that um, it's mostly been like stuff that i would consider like like a homework book uh like stuff i'm i'm sort of reading to generate more ideas or um kind of help me articulate my my own thoughts about certain things uh for thou or or whatever other creative projects
0: so, so like, like history and politics and theory and stuff like that. Uh,
1: I, I, yeah, some uh, pro- probably veer more towards like philosophy stuff. So like, uh, E.M. E- Cioran or um. Oh man, I uh, love Cioran. Or like the the Th- Thomas Ligotti stuff. I was I was into
2: for oh, oh, a yeah, minute. Yeah.
4: You?
1: <laughs> oh, you're talking my language. Those are
2: my
4: god kings. <laughs> yeah.
2: They yeah, are got, very um, depressed. They have Yeah.
4: They're yeah, working sad, through some shit.
1: <laughs> yeah i i like that i like that stuff a lot see when i when i i, I found suoran a few a few years ago four or five years ago maybe and and when i first started reading his stuff it was sort of like when i found nietzsche as like a 15 year old it was like it was that kind of <laughs> feeling
4: yeah
0: yeah he's a, he's, he's a good he's little a... uh tonic to nietzsche i think he's a good little
2: tough for a lot of people to dive into. I think for similar reason, well, the same reason that Nietzsche can be tough to dive into but like expanded of like um so for for any listeners who don't know, um Emil Cioran um is uh basically like the stereotype of Nietzsche but made real. Like Nietzsche is rabidly anti-nihilistic. His his whole body of work is about how nihilism is sort of capitulating to this force that he uh, notes and designates within the universe but he's like the whole point of philosophy and active living is to resist that as long as possible knowing that it it will defeat you inevitably but like finding the ability to not capitulate to that and Sioran's whole thing is well what if you do what if like <laughs> which sounds
4: what if just dour up, huh? <laughs> like,
2: and it is pretty dour sometimes but there's some interesting stuff of like mindsets that perhaps you only have in a depressive state or you know is there a potential to go like out through the bottom which sort of is reminiscent of uh Nietzsche's whole concept of like to go over one must go under which he says yeah, a whole lot, in the the there a lot um well actually he he specifically didn't mean that about the abyss he uh <laughs> the whole thing in the abyss is he's like no don't do that when you lose
0: Oh yeah, Good but a lot of people are yeah. like,
2: "I love that quote," and they're like, "No, no, he's telling <laughs> you not to do that, you you idiot!" Like, they're like, "Now, I'm, now I'm black pilled," and it's like, "Yes, he told you that would happen." Fuck! <laughs> like, <laughs> That's tight. I didn't know that you were into <laughs> yourness. I mean, it makes sense given given your work. I mean, that.
1: Oh yeah, I'll, pro- I, I'll probably the next couple of records. I'll probably be stealing a bunch of that stuff. You'll see a bunch of those quotes and. Uh, oh hell yeah! Yeah, I, I made. I <laughs> There might have been a Sauron thing in in R two and Magus. I can't remember if I put any of this stuff in there.
0: Uh, yeah. So the internet broke right now. So uh, Langdon kind of took things from here. That's why you're not going to hear me talking anymore. Just so you know.
2: I do know that we had one specific question about. Um, so you have obviously a title of a track on Magus called "The Changeling Prince," um, and that's the name of from from what Gareth was saying, like a fairly obscure fantasy story. Um, which is making it, based on talking to you, seem increasingly likely
1: that that was a deliberate uh, nod. Yeah, I, you know, I think uh, I can't remember if I—I if I, I don't think I pulled it from that story. I think it's actually the um, the Shakespeare reference to Midsummer's Night. Ah, is isn't that the name of the uh, they refer to one of the like one of the fairies or something? in there's a, I can can't remember—I can't remember where I grabbed that from. I mean, the it's it's less of a reference to whatever the thing is that I pulled it from, and more of just the yeah. f- I I like the phrasing of it. I I really like the phrasing of that, and I and I thought it would be cool for what I was trying to like the articulate in that song. Subject-wise, yeah, like the,
4: the
2: classic thing of taking. Basically, like surgically removing something from its source material and going, like, I'm going to plant this as a new seed to grow into a new
1: thing because it, oh, it vibes well with other stuff.
3: That yeah, is Ryan's bread
1: and butter right there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I, I you know, I, I kind of came up through punk with all the like crime think stuff. So, like, I, I learned about like uh, the situ- situationists and detourment and all that stuff by way of like, punk in general and then like the crime think stuff more specifically like all all the literature and like a lot of those bands that were sort of involved in that yeah and and so that like that's always been a thing that like i i really in in terms of like ingesting some like politics or um satire or or just trying to use something and and really put a, a totally new spin on whatever the meaning was i mean there's i i i love doing stuff that's 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 super fun to me it's i mean i feel like it's um s- specifically now in 2020 maybe it's a little socially dangerous for me because i'll I, i'll definitely pull from unreputable sources <laughs> uh and i i've def i definitely have pulled from like i mean not stuff that certainly not stuff that like I, I would personally align myself with, but um, yeah. you know, it's, it's as we kind of go, gone going on, it's like it, 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 it is a little worrisome sometimes that people will, if they pull apart certain things that I've pulled from, will misinterpret as, a, as some sort of like dog whistle or for something that it's not. Um, but I don't know. It's like, I, i I try not to get too hung up on that stuff you know i mean yeah
2: i mean it's it's something that i think comes with any sort of creative terrain that um isn't isn't always as easily understood on the other side that especially if you're like not promoting any of your sources for things like you're deliberately not trying to point people towards any of this stuff it's more like well if i break it into purely raw material then maybe i take this one little chunk like the less um a thing that we run into a lot within the literary world that's this one thankfully is very well trod ground. So there's a lot of like um, counter reads that have been developed for it. It's like, realistically, we aren't going to be able to say like, get rid of Lovecraft and his influence. Like there's, it's simply gone too far. You'd have to functionally restart all of horror and all of fantasy if you wanted to completely get rid of it. So then the, the other project like grand social project of, trying to point it in different directions or like what if i extract say the notion of the you know like the weird salubrious like gooey uh hyperdimensional alien thing but then strip it of its you know deeply racist context some things like that and develop it in completely different directions but like taking this thing rem- like sucking out the poison and pointing it at some other thing um and that this is actually a tremendously common process uh and and i think a lot of people don't necessarily like have a firm grasp on that but like you were saying sort of the troubling thing of knowing that a lot of times they're doing that in good faith like they're they're having that trouble only because they care deeply about these certain social things and so it can be hard to it can be hard to know exactly what to do with that um
1: so i can Yeah, I mean it's it's just it's 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 just a it's such a weird thing now. I mean, I think I think for us it's it's a little easy it's a little easier to the stuff's so mired in so much other metaphors and yeah, this and that. It's like it's pretty difficult for people to sort of pick it apart and and figure out exactly where I'm pulling stuff from. And and even this, I mean, even the stuff that I, I pull in there, that's like you know from what I would consider like a more reputable source like you know i i don't i don't source a lot of the material or whatever because partially just because I, i i i like punk for me is less about like sort of like holding people's hands and and giving them like the full blueprint and and more about like sort of like uh scratching a certain itch for people and hopefully like setting them on a certain path. And if they want to like look into stuff or like dig deeper, you know, it, it I'm, I don't know. It, it's, it's about people sort of like taking uh some initiative upon themselves to, to figure things out a little bit. Yeah. And I think that, and, that, and, and I, I also, I also, I also just think that like, in terms of like, if, you know, even with like just a cursory look at like a handful of, like you know, like we're not these like hyper mysterious like yeah. cult dudes. Like you, you could you could easily find a couple of interviews with us, and it's like pr- it's pretty easy to see what our politics are, and you, you know, in general, <laughs> yeah, you know, and and kind of and like and 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 then look at the work in that context. Now, there's there's I feel like there's always going to be people that are are sort of like looking at things under a microscope, look, looking, trying to find where they can find wrongdoing, you know, like applying that that purity test to everything to see yeah. where they can find the black marks on people. But, you know, I mean, for me, it's like everybody's got some stuff they've done or said or, or, or be, behaviors that are they're not proud of that, you know, if, if you look hard enough at anybody, you're going to find something you don't like. So it's, you know, it's, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't try not to worry about that stuff. too too much i mean
2: and it becomes sort of like this um this question of political praxis in a way that if you wind up making it so that the only people who have say like you know all the key elements of of leftism of like restorative justice of racial justice of gender justice things like that if the only people that you allow to develop those thoughts are people that have never abridged them I mean all you have to do is look out into the shape of the world and see that this sets us up to to functionally never be able to actually overthrow a lot of these things that like right right there you yeah. have to have the ability like obviously you need to have the educational end and like making sure that people are you know on on the same page um and like but if people can't reform themselves if you don't allow the notion that people can be reformed that you can you know be a different person today than you were yesterday, then there's a lot of, there's a a tremendous ability for inevitable victory that you just sort of preclude. And that's sort of been this recurring problem that you see with certain specific people where the idea of like, no, part of of the great power of this is that you can present. I mean, I've mentioned this on the show before. Like I was raised very much a cishet white boy in Virginia. So I had a lot of, dumb dumb shit exit my mouth dumb fucking dumb like uh cataclysmically wrong and bad but you know over you know you get older you learn things you change you grow um and if you don't yeah, I mean, necessarily I mean, allow for that then
4: it's
1: yeah yeah i mean we're we're from louisiana so we're right there with you yeah you know and and i i, I do think that there needs to be, there there is and there needs to be more of a focus on where the where accountability culture and restorative restorative justice where those two things intersect yeah. you know that that's like the happy
2: happy place like the constant like um the sort of the educators problem of like how do we get someone back on track like the idea especially once you it, it's one area that I definitely feel a lot more affinity to um to anarchism than to Marxism, Leninism and abroad without bogging this down with too much theoretical stuff. But the notion of like needing an abolition of prisons because they don't. One, they don't do what they promise to do. They do something far more evil. And then it raises the question of do we even want them to do the thing that they promise and you compare that to like, well, if we could actually, you know, do, you know, some sort of rehabilitative justice component of like, you know, getting people back on track with things and not giving up on them, you know, just working to try to get that kind of, and you notice that certain people don't really have the will for that. And they have the reasons. And sometimes it's like, well, you know, I've gone through X or Y thing, and it becomes harder for me. It's like, Okay, that's, that's fair. But like, we still need to have some people trying to like, you know, people fuck up and we can just get get everyone back on track. And that's the that's the that's the good world.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, to 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 bring things back to Malazan for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> have you read it? Did you did you read that series? Uh, no, um, not well, yet. Me just, but a friend of not, mine who
2: loved it just strongly recommended it. So it's been in the back of my head. And then hearing you bring it up in this other completely other yeah, context, context, I'm like, you should I should probably should, fucking read this.
1: <laughs> you should you should read it. Not 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 to this is an a spoiler but there is a sort of like um the the race of characters that they sort of set up as a sort of like um like high elves like the good elves are these very like um uh, pur- puritanical um uh virtue obsessed race but it's also like very uh fascist and And like very, very brutal, the way they sort of like excise anyone that sort of doesn't fit into their uh like sort of dogmatic ideals. Um, so i I thought that was sort of I mean not not that it, i don't I, I don't think it was necessarily written as like a commentary on um you know, kind of the current state of things, but uh i I, I saw it as like a sort of interesting take on that.
2: Yeah, there, I mean, there. there's always valences to that kind of, um, especially because it, it, it can be frustrating when you know that, like, you know, someone's heart is definitely in the right place, like they care about the right spaces. But when you get to that question of methodology of like, hey, maybe we can actually, like, if we if we do this one thing, we can get this person back as a strong and useful ally. And maybe, yeah, maybe they need to admit to some wrongdoing. Maybe they need to, you know changed some behaviors in themselves and then running into some people who are like no that's no we're, we're beyond that it's like i'm not <laughs> sure that we are beyond it actually and they're like no we are
1: <laughs> yeah i mean look i don't know i don't. i i, I absolutely don't have any answers to this stuff and i and i've yeah i've like i've like been involved in several accountability processes and they they were not you know and and, and i wasn't on the risk you know i wasn't the person being held accountable i was just a person sort of involved in the you know, helping the person, yeah. but, uh, you know, it, those things are like not pleasant for anyone, <laughs> uh, any of the people involved, in, uh, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of work and not super successful. So like, I don't, I don't really know what the, what the solution is, but I, I, I definitely know what I, what I don't like about things, you know, what I don't like about when I want to see people, you know, treating, treating people a certain way. So I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. It's, yeah. It's an interest, it's an interesting time we live in because I feel like it's uh you know I I I, I you know I absolutely am not into stuff m- much on the right and I'm, oh, yeah. I'm way way more on <laughs> way more on the left but it's like you know there's a lot of uh, I could certainly level a lot of criticism at the way people handle things on the left especially like on the internet and um within sort of like uh certain subcultural enclaves, uh I feel like l- leaves a lot uh left to be desired. Yeah, that's
2: that's been sort of a recurring comment that I've I've seen from a lot of I mean and, and it's worth noting from a lot of people on the left who do like day-to-day organizing and have sort of this recurring comment that the shape of things that they see on the internet doesn't even feel like it reflects necessarily what their day-to-day, you know, leftist organizing is of like you know talking to neighbors talking to co-workers like trying to organize a union at their workplace or things like that but it has this very like a different shape to the point where sometimes it can feel like you're gazing into another world and it can help a lot of times at least i found when you run into the fact that a lot of the people that, it at least for me a lot of the people that i see doing that kind of stuff tend to be relatively young and so i try to remind myself that like maybe they're learning the ropes of like how do i navigate the world with this set of ideals and you know try to make them actionable in my life and you know accounting that they might make some missteps or they might you know have more zeal than ability and you know we've all been there at some point with different things but yeah it's uh I I think your comment of, like, these are important questions and I don't necessarily know the answer. I also wish that more people had the ability to say something like that. Because, I mean, admittedly, it's scary to say something like that because we want to have the answers. But, like, I think a lot of people would... A lot of things would be easier for a lot of people. They're like, you know, these these are some great topics. And I I straight up do not know, and I am not an expert on this. (laughs) Yeah, I mean...
1: I probably you, would have been singing a different tune when I was like seventeen or eighteen or nineteen or yeah. whatever. But um uh, yeah, I, I don't I I definitely the older I get, the more I realize how little I know about anything.
2: Yeah, it's 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 humbling. Like I remember definitely myself being like being, you know. In my early 20s, I had just encountered like some some feminist theory stuff that was finally clicking in my head. And I was like, oh, I'm I'm getting this stuff and then running into queer theory and all this, like feeling very energized by it. And I definitely was more mouthy than knowledgeable, I guess. Um, like, again, one of those things, it's like part in the right place. But, you know, you look back on it and you're like, I would have handled many of these situations differently. Um, Don't want to be too harsh on myself. I was inevitably a, uh, you know, uh, a pure hearted 21 year old. But, you know, uh, at 31, I definitely would have handled these things slightly more diplomatically, maybe.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Hey, so what about uh, talking about some comic books before we wrap this up? And that's why we brought Mitch in here. Yeah, I oh yeah!
3: Comic, comic book talk. As soon as y'all started talking about politics, I started playing
1: Mortal Kombat. He, no, that's yeah. That's he, fine. he just he just whipped out his comics. I mean, yeah. they
2: dropped they dropped that expansion to Mortal Kombat like <laughs> literally like a day or two ago. So you got some shit to chew over. That looks crazy, by the way. Yeah, I, I no, haven't I, touched I'm, it yet.
3: I wasn't really playing Mortal Kombat while y'all were talking. I'm just kidding.
2: I wouldn't have been bothered. Like, I mean, you know, we all we all got different interests. That's, that's fine. Uh, no, I um, mean,
3: I do care about the stuff y'all are talking about. Brian's right. is so much better. at. <laughs> and he's so much more eloquent about it. Than oh, than I'm,
2: I'm mad about comics. So you you literally like what do you want to talk about with comics? <laughs> I have I'm sitting next to a bookshelf full of comics. And then I got a Western comics specifically so i got my mainstream ones over here my my green lantern my justice league you know that shit uh then i got you know my weird art house manga on the other another bookshelf you know way over there i got my alan moore you know my grant morris and all that kind of stuff so you pick a topic i can i can go (laughs) no no i don't i don't really
3: care i mean when Brian pitched this he's like hey there's this podcast you're doing and it's like a comic book podcast. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'll jump on that.
2: Uh, what but have you been I reading had, recently no in the idea. world of comics, then?
3: Honestly, not, not too much. I have a stack of stuff from the past six months that I've been like slowly getting to. Uh, finished up the X Men grand design recently. That was real fun. Hell yeah. Catching up, catching up on Batman, just like the, the uh, City of Bane story. That's the been Tom really King good. run yeah yeah tom king's amazing right
2: yeah i i only recently found out about him too like i um with his uh miracle man run oh so good did you know about
3: his vision book uh
2: i i apparently i knew about it i just didn't know that it was him but i'm not i don't follow marvel as super closely right so i i just sort of wrote it wrote it off and then apparently that was dumb of me because yeah it's it's him and isn't it also him and mitch gerard the same guy that he's been working with at uh dc since the omega men i think so i think that's who he brought over uh and it's like uh, man i gotta read that shit that sounds
3: yeah i mean it's it's basically the same thing he did with miracle man to an extent uh but that vision book man that's kind of what really got me into tom king it was so amazing like tear
1: I I a, 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 that's read. the one you're trying to get me to read
3: i think so I don't, I don't know you don't like any any new stuff so i don't know what I, to, to i, tell, I read tell you about. i read
1: that i read the first trade of that vision thing I, I wasn't super into it yeah the second one's the tearjerker i mean i just uh i don't like all the all the like kind of classic superhero stuff i don't i just there's it's hard for me to find anything that i feel like is that interesting
2: i can follow that to an extent i mean I, i i i love the contemporary stuff too but i can definitely follow especially if you're tapping into like uh like jack kirby or like jim starlin's like psychedelic space odyssey shit that he was doing at marvel in the 70s like it's um even some of the stuff now that taps into that feels very much like it's Tapping into that energy as opposed to having something necessarily fully its own. So I can. I love Tom King though. That guy's uh... he's great.
3: I just saw today they're they're gonna make a. Uh... Did you ever read Sweet
2: Tooth? Do you do you
3: know Jeff Lemire at all?
2: Yes, yes. I love Jeff Lemire. Like he's one of wow. the um one of yeah. the contemporary writers that I follow. Like if he makes something, I'll just pick it up. Yeah, same for me.
3: Anything he's working on, I'll I'll just pick up. Uh, and they just announced today that they're doing a sweet tooth show for Netflix, which I am, uh, pretty excited about. You, that you saw there.
2: Oh, you go on.
1: Oh, I just met you. saw they're doing that. Uh, they're doing a bone show for, uh, Netflix too. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's animated too. Yeah. They, there's a cool. doc. There's a documentary about, uh, Jeff Smith that just came out. I saw that that was a thing, but I haven't checked it out yet. Did you see it? And uh, it's supposed to be pretty good. I, one of those uh the cartoonist kayfabe interview with um mm. uh one of somebody um uh one of the older guys um, yeah he he it, mentioned watching it and was uh, said it was awesome that's cool yeah i'd love to watch that
2: i never actually read bone which i i feel uh, weirdly ashamed to say given the amount of like other comic stuff that i've gone out of my way to to read even just to like know the key historical beats and i like i know how important bone is uh right To comics as a medium i just when i was younger and i was introduced to it i was very much in the like no i'm reading older than than my age range i want the literary comics and then you know i get older and then i'm like well i mean I, i still love that other stuff now i'm like but now I feel like I'd be walking in in my 30s and being like, give me the complete bone. And someone would be like, Are you, what? I don't know. Maybe that's a weird hang up of mine. Maybe they'd be like, well, it's a masterpiece. So, of course. Oh, it's a masterpiece. Yeah, yeah you should, so you, sure. should defi-
1: you should definitely read We We did some bone spoof stuff for thou. What? Oh, well, yeah. We did a, yeah,
3: Florida, a Florida run of shows where we just stole bone images for merch like posters and T-shirts and buttons and stuff. <laughs> yeah. That sounds that, that sounds all nobody terrible. else in the band knew what this stuff was. They were just
1: like, all right, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Hope hopefully Jeff Smith doesn't sue us or anything. Yeah. I have my I mean, poster framed like up on the wall guy. right here. I uh
2: yeah, I am um, what did you bring up just before but oh uh Jeff Lemire Yeah, I've been um yeah. like picking up all of his Black Hammer stuff as that's Ooh. been coming out. Um yeah.
3: That's that I mean, you'd probably like brian black hammer
2: like uh oh it, yeah you mentioned that yeah it it's incredible pastiche like it's it's deliberately not exceptionally original because it's meant as his love letter to this like very foundational stuff for him and especially since he came yeah. up as a more like literary comic guy who got into superhero comics it, it's his way of being like no, I'm not just writing, you know, Animal Man or whatever for the money. I, I grew up with this stuff and I love it. So here's my, you know, very yeah, well crafted
3: love letter. It's clear he's like such a fan of that era in writing Black Hammer. And then like all the side books that come with it and Oh
2: yeah. yeah I've been I, loving those. Like his his little take on the Black Squadron or uh the Blackhawks rather that he turns into uh yeah, the Black yeah. Hammer Squadron and uh, his take on like uh, the Robinson Run on Starman that he turns into Doctor Star, and uh, that at the end it's like, oh no, it's also a pastiche of Green Lantern, and I'm like, what the mm-hmm. fuck? <laughs> like,
4: yeah, he's so good. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know much the of point. the I don't know much of the DC stuff though.
2: Are you more of a Marvel guy of the uh, of the big uh, two?
1: I mean, when when I was reading that stuff, yeah, I was I was way more into Marvel. I I came up on, in the '90s on like the same. Claremont Claremont X Men, all that stuff,
2: and then also like the McFarlane Spider Man, which was around yeah. the same time and was just mind blowing.
1: Yeah, but I, yeah. I I just tried to reread that uh, early McFarlane Spider Man stuff, and I, I I couldn't do it. I, I hate <laughs> when when I, when I was thirteen, when I was twelve and thirteen, I loved all the Image comic stuff and now i've gone back trying to uh read like the some of the early stuff and, and i i can't stand it
2: i i I was so i was i was relatively young then i was um born tail end of the 80s so i was like single digits young single digits reading that stuff but i have an older brother who was into it and he had he started school a little early so he had older friends and so it was this trickle down thing so but i remember even with us we were like you know super excited about you know Todd McFarlane and about Jim Lee and about um Rob Liefeld and you know, lo- loved cable. I think everyone in the early nineties who read comics, uh, there was that period where everyone pretended that they didn't think uh barrel chested million pouches cable was tight, but we all <laughs> thought he was tight. We all <laughs> fucking loved that guy. Like there was that period everyone was lying, but you'd look around and you'd see in their eyes be like, i don't know he was kind of fly though he had all those pouches and it's like no you can't say that fuck you No, not say he's bad it's like but he's cool his arm is a robot <laughs> um
1: but yeah th- those, 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 those were all my favorite guys when i when i was uh you know like 12 13 but and it's it's one of those
2: things where i think that like and obviously like the you start reading the early image stuff like Spawn and Youngblood and all that kind of stuff and you're like oh this is actually pretty bad Um, these guys should not have quit uh, or quit Marvel rather but yeah, even going back to the early Marvel stuff I think the trick and this is um, maybe not a compliment to it but uh, it it hits that question of like are comics 50% art and 50% words or are you know is the line maybe somewhere else is it for a lot of that early marvel stuff with those guys it works a lot better for me if i'm not reading it if i just treat it as like purely visual then
4: a lot of it looks a lot better i can't go
3: back to i I can't i can't get into some of that 90s stuff just the the writing of it feels so dated now After after like (laughs) going through all these
1: extremely literary comics and even 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 like the claremont stuff who like i i kind of regarded claremont as a great writer but like even trying to go back and read some of that x-men stuff it's just there's just way too much uh you know exposition, exposition. for, yeah, for it's everything it it's, it's it's all it is yeah And it's like uh <laughs> I, I can i can look at some of that stuff and i and i like it kind of in a nostalgic sense but like i just don't care about it anymore or right. you know the way the way i did when i was a kid or the way i'm looking at stuff now and like where whereas like you know now that i did that deep dive back in the uh, barry windsor smith it's like i can look at that stuff all day long and read that stuff all day long and re-read it and reread it and love it you know and that and that was a dude that was around the same time and earlier than all those turkeys
2: yeah i mean it's like i find that a lot with um having done some like historical deep dive stuff where uh the bigger companies have gotten a lot better at actually like going back and collecting these like very old runs of like 70s doom patrol and 60s doom patrol or like here's you know the first run of adam strange ever the first like 15 issues here's a collection of it that you can get digital or print or stuff like that so using that to you know build up my knowledge of like the history of comics and finding that um there are definitely times when the earlier somewhat clunkier um writing style, especially that evolved in like the 50s, um, can sometimes be uh distracting, I think is the very polite way to put it.
1: Um oh that's a sleepy dog. Uh oh uh, he, he's he Emily just pulled up, he sees her outside, so he's
4: he's he's in anxious. <laughs> uh
2: but other times, yeah, the the like there are the way that like especially like very early Marvel uh comics or like 60s dc or something like that 70s dc will make these all exclamation point exclamation point like purple prose uh like proclamations just rings very comic book to me like it rings that bell like super well and then i will look forward like maybe 10 or 15 years and it's i feel like i can't read any line without wanting to just close it and being like wow that's a beautiful book it's a shame it has words oh that's terrible <laughs> like... yeah. Um, yeah and it it makes it odd then for me that I can like go back and read something like um... specifically it has to be people like, uh, like Walt Simonson or like George Perez like George Perez has this like incredible run on Wonder Woman that was in the 80s um, that still reads super super well to me which is especially surprising because one of the big things that i find a hang-up of especially when i look back into comics is the fact that it was very much a lot of cishet white dudes writing these things and every now and again the uh sort of uh the politics of that hits me on the nose a little bit harder than it does other days like I'll be reading something and I'll be like, oh, that's an inter Oh, that's that's a slur. Why would why would you put that in here? Why would you why would that be in here? Like
3: Yeah, different different time and, and it's you know, it's the thing. <laughs> going going back and just finding stuff like that. It just makes it so much harder to get into when now everything is like not everything, but there's a lot yeah. of writers who are way more focused on like you know being pc or, or even 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 like turning that stuff against the old characters or whatever and that's just so much more interesting i think
2: yeah you get some i mean when it's handled well you get it feels like the way that it should feel or it's like it's fertile it's growing it's developing right, right. as opposed to like oh i'm sneering at the uh at these old characters who are and it's like well that's that's not really that's not the ideal point the ideal point is more of this like synthetic growing thing yeah yeah i'm i'm nuts over comics i did the whole kind of like kind of annoying uh like young Literary dude thing of like, no, I'm above them now. I'm I read I read novel. Now to be fair, I was like 12, so uh, and by the time like even before I graduated high school, I like I picked up Kingdom Come, just because I, I just on a whim, and I was like, this shit fucking slap and was beautiful. Are there other comics that slap and are beautiful? And the comic dude was like, yeah, like a lot, like (laughs) like a whole thing. Oh yeah,
3: now I want to go pull a bunch of these books off the shelf and start flipping through them.
2: Like a, a friend of mine named uh, Sarah Horrocks, who's um, an incredible independent comic writer. Like like incredible. Like does the super, um, this beautiful combination of like pulp art and high art. Like she's also remarkably non-pretentious about it. She's like, no, I love, you know, 90s X-Force about as much as I love this, you know, fine art guy. Yeah. It's just it's all visual stuff and it's all really cool. Um got me back into like the the late 80s Frank Miller Daredevil stuff with especially yeah. with Bill uh sinkowitz Sinkowinski. I, I I can't pronounce Polish last names. I'm very yeah, bad that, at them. That guy. Yeah, the like the ultra painterly stuff where it's like yeah. it's all these strange psychedelic dreamlike images. And I'm like the new mutants. Oh. Yeah. Like I forgot how beautiful this shit is. Fuck how? And it's like, well, there's so many comics, so it's easy to lose one in, in the midst of another, but
1: yeah, I got I got one of his art books for my birthday. Hell yeah. Oh, that's cool. Bill, Bill yeah, it's awesome. Not not the big one. I, I still want to get that big one. Hey, do either of you guys watch that cartoonist K uh podcast? You mission uh, you ever watch I, it?
3: i i followed them on Instagram and I I'm like on this other podcast that I feel like I have to catch up to before I can move on to something else, but I'm
2: like dying to get into get it. So I don't, but only because, and this is going to sound weird. I mentioned this before. I don't really listen to podcasts,
1: um, <laughs> which well, it's, th- this is their, their thing. They have a YouTube channel where they, uh, I'm this is, and, and this is why I think you probably like it because I, I got into it because they were doing these, uh like flip-throughs of wizard magazine you know from the 90s yeah and they were and they were basically go page by page and talk about um like what the stuff that you were seeing was sort of related to and where it was coming from and uh kind of contextualizing things in a certain time period but it's like two it's two, it's mainly these two guys that are like Super into like all the '90s image stuff, but then also got way into like all the like deep underground comics, like bef- from from the start of comics to like now. So they're they're like you know it's Ed Pisker, right? Yeah, it's Ed Pisker. The design Grand Design, and, yeah, yeah, Jim Jim Rugg that does uh, Street Angel, oh, cool. and, and actually Tom Tom that that. Uh, just did that Fantastic Four Grand Design. It's like sort of like the oh, nice. sometimes third person they have on on some of those things.
2: Yeah, I was going to yeah. ask if you because you'd mentioned that you just finished reading like the third volume of X Men Grand Design. Which fingers crossed, they apparently left the door open. Like if Ed Pisker ever wants to like keep, you know, covering more of that, like they're apparently fine with it. At least last that I heard. So I hope That's that cool. we get some more of that. But yeah, I was I was going to ask after. I, um, you'd mention that if you knew about the um Fantastic Four one. I keep yeah waiting for the trades for those. Nice, yeah. I keep waiting I mean, for the trades for those stuff. things because they they have the same dimensions and print quality as uh Ed Pisker's Hip Hop Family album. Right, trades, right, right. Those I, are cool. Just love them like they're.
4: Uh,
2: I didn't it... wait. So, are you telling me that Ed Pisker is the like host of that? Show,
1: yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, yeah, him, okay, and, I'm him and Jim it. Rook. Yeah, yeah I'm sick. in now.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the reasons I want to get on it real bad because he just seems yeah. like he cares a lot.
1: Oh yeah, uh, those dudes, those dudes are like comic book lifers. Ed Pisker it's real funny. He's um, Langdon. You're not gonna, you're not gonna get this reference, but uh, <laughs> he's he's basically like uh, if you mixed Derek Zimmer. Peter Young and Steve Mudge into like oh, one person. Yeah, he's like, he's like. It doesn't you'll... sound good necessarily. It's 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 good though. It's it's pretty good. They're they're
4: they're both they're,
1: they're both real funny, and they uh they're both like super knowledgeable about um everything related to comics. I mean, the they, the the channel they they basically started to like dissect uh things from like a cartoonist perspective. So it's very much in like the creator. Kind of perspective, but they're also you can tell they're like enormous fans of. You can tell what they like and what they don't like, and that they love like comic books just as a medium. So it's 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 real interesting. And they and they they've kind of been turned like just watching that has been kind of turning me on all kinds of stuff I never knew about. Like, uh, uh I just I just bought that brat brat pack trade. Have y'all read that? It's uh
4: uh-uh.
1: Rick Rick Beach. Nah. It's oh, like I uh, love uh, Rick
2: Veach, Yeah, Rick v- yeah, Beach. is that how you pronounce yeah, it? He,
1: yeah, yeah, he he did uh he he did the run of Miracle Man right after um or Swamp Thing Swamp Thing yeah, after he Alan Moore,
2: did Swamp Thing right after Alan Moore, and he also did a run on uh, Animal Man,
1: right, right
2: after Grant Morrison and Peter Milligan. Well,
1: Brat Brat Pack's basically like um about superhero sidekicks, but from like a real like kind of r- grim and gritty reality perspective, like a I mean, I haven't read it yet, I just kind of know it's, it's I think it's it's sort of like a, you know, like hero, hero dissection, like Watchmen, or sex kind yeah. of style. Um, real fucked up. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's supposed right. to be that pretty good.
2: Right up my alley. So, that, what yeah. are you guys up to, What what's coming up for Thou, that you're able to talk about, at least? Like, obviously, you probably have some stuff that's, that's rumbling and you can't really say anything about. Just the
3: Emma thing, really and then writing yeah we have a we we recorded an album with our friend emma ruth rundle that i am super excited about Mm -hmm. uh it's very much us and very much her and it just somehow works really well together
1: uh that had a release
3: date but it got pushed back when is it pushed back to brian
1: i'm not even sure anymore october november something like that yeah
3: We had a tour lined up for that, but that's on hold now, obviously. Uh, Matthew and Andy both said they have a couple of songs written, which is cool. So, yeah, we're just kind of hanging until we can start doing
4: stuff again.
2: Excellent. All right. That sounds. I am, again, trying not to go into full fan mode, hearing that you're recording or recorded a record with Emma Ruth Rundle. That's. just like quietly gripping and ungripping my table, trying not to hyperventilate, just you know, remaining calm. <laughs> it's good, hey, it's good hey. too. I'm a fan of it. Sounds really, really good.
1: What, bro let, let me let me pitch this idea to y'all while I have the two comp the complicate guys on the on the line. Uh, so if we do release a vinyl compilation of like covers. Like, my idea for it is to try to get Becky to do, like... Uh, well, so, my idea for it is to do, like, that Wolf record. You know, uh, Genevieve, the, the thing before Opion she did, where she's got that yeah, yeah. Um, that comic book that basically is, like, the record and the comic book. Um, mm-hmm. I I basically want to get... I want to get Becky to do, like, a comic book that goes along with the record and then try to pitch it to where we can get, like, a... Like an actual comic book publisher to put it out, also and like get it in a comic book shops. Uh, does that sound? Ooh.
3: Yeah, of course that sounds cool. All right. Yeah, that sounds right, baller.
1: Right,
2: cool. Like I don't think like, like wow. Imperial Triumphant did that um, recently uh, with having a comic book extension of their of their last record, where they got in contact with different people to like See- expand single songs and to...
1: Right. But see, I, I'm not, like, this isn't, like, a concept record that has, like, a with right, like covers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, w- w- like, my idea for it would be to, like, uh, either for the strict Nirvana one or for the thing that's, like, a mix of covers, is to, like, get people we know or friends with who, like, like whatever that band is or that song is or whatever and get them to tell some kind of interesting story or anecdote and then use that story or anecdote is sort of like the comic portion of it but also let becky just go nuts and you know kind of just do her like fantasy thing so like what like the art maybe might not match the story you know it's like the story isn't a script it's just the text that goes along with Right. whatever crazy stuff she can come up with i think that would be like a fun yeah, uh cool. i don't know i think who, that'd be kind of interesting becky who oh becky clinton
2: oh oh i oh yeah i love her i'm friends with her yeah that yeah, yeah. that would that would, be, well, that would tell, be super incredible
1: tell tell her to call me back because i haven't i haven't pitched i haven't pitched it to her yet i can't i can't get her to she's so busy i can't get her yeah. on the phone
2: yeah tell her to respond to my
3: instagram message <laughs> <laughs> i'll, I'll, I'll do what i can.
2: I can't guarantee that I'll be able to get through to her because she, yeah, she's super busy again now too. Yeah, so uh, but cool. I'll I'll do what I can. Cause that sounds crazy baller. And I really want to see that happen.
1: Um, yeah. And then, right. and then, so look, look the, the next step, if we can do that and get like the record, get the record and the comic and the comic shops and through the comic publisher is to do a whole tour where we like play shows, like do a, do like a comic book convention, Circuit where we go to different comic cons and like play shows around those comic cons and bring other like punk comic book people along with us to do stuff. We got to dress up too, like co- cosplay style, yeah. Like, Hell yeah, cool and cosplay. I, 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 was thinking, I was to. thinking, I was thinking this is the tour we should try to do. We should try to get Lightning Bolt to, to come on to, to bring us and do the comic book tour. I <laughs> oh, yeah. think this is the one that
4: would, that would be so fucking cool. That's yeah. just-
2: uh so i think uh given that i don't think that we can uh top that mental image that that now is the time uh to to intro prayer of god to to play us out um uh gareth has been uh like gently pestering me to to, to get a closing point because this is was getting long but i was like no no i want to keep talking to them there no no <laughs> um, so,
0: um
2: Feels so what can it's you good. Yeah, this is is a lot of fun, especially just shooting the shit about comic books. I fucking love comics. I'm a six year old. Um, I love heavy metal and comic books. I've read a lot of philosophy and shit and literature and whatever. But but no, it's about it's about my big suit, men And um, heavy sounds. Uh, So what can you tell us about this cover of Prayer to God that you did? Like anything at all.
1: Well, uh,
3: it's, from the, it's from the show, right? This is from Roadburn.
1: No, let's let's use the studio one with the Michael uh, with the Michael intro. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, we. I just mean, unless unless you, you want, we get we can right? we, could, we, could, we could edit them together. We could, we could probably give you the intro and then you could just pull the song off the yeah. off the live thing. Ah, we'll figure whichever,
2: it out whichever version you guys want to do. We're 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 good with whichever one.
1: The the studio we were we were for the part of the drum thing we were beating. Uh, Metal chairs into each other. as part, yeah. part of the percussion,
2: like, 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 like your wrestlers, like you're hitting each other with metal chairs. Yeah, essentially. Couch. Yeah, we definitely need that version. That's the one. Were <laughs> like that's... We're, were you there, Mitch? <laughs> had you had you already moved? I think I had moved. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember it
3: getting uh, hit with a chair at the any one, of the, the one we, re-
1: we recorded. Wow, at you must
3: have
2: got hit pretty hard with a chair then. May,
3: maybe. <laughs> I think I think it was before you moved. I'm. I'm. I know. I played on the recording, but maybe I wasn't there for like percussion day.
1: Well, I think I we did it all in one day.
3: I don't remember. I mean, yeah. I'm, when did it get recorded?
1: I have no idea. It's when we did all the Pearl Jam songs.
3: Oh yeah. All right, I was there.
1: Uh, yeah. We just love shellac. Shellac's awesome. And that's
2: that is, is very so true. Good. That that, that was- is the best reason. Uh. The story behind doing a cover of just like that song slapped so we did it yeah
3: we were going to do well <laughs> I don't know if we were going to do but there was an idea to do a split with our friend's band called Teach Us they wanted to do I think they wanted to cover Mama Gina uh, or a Squirrel Song or something and we were going to do "Prayer to God and put it out as a split but then they broke up or something happened and uh, I still really wanted to do it we still <laughs> really wanted to do it so yeah we just did it
2: yeah that's that's tight that is that's the best reason uh to cover a song again like i'm I'm not being facetious there like it's it's great to have these you know strong emotional ties and you know I wanted to pay tribute to my, you know all that kind of stuff but uh there's also yeah. something like song was baller, so we made it heavy
4: hmm. I
3: think that's most of the covers that we do is like you well, know, this song's really fun like it'll be so fun to do sabotage in New York at some small punk club like That would rule. Let's let's do that, or let's do a Green Day cover at Gilman. Like, (laughs) that's just you know, fun fun ideas. Which both of those things did happen.
2: That I I regret that I didn't hear the uh, Green Day cover at Gilman. That sounds like that would have been especially especially hearing Thou do a Green Day cover. I definitely want to. I don't. I don't think anybody
1: liked it.
3: (laughs) No, people were people. I have video of it. People were going crazy. (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh not remember
3: everybody liking it. Yeah. No, if you were to, I also just watched the video of us doing sabotage. Uh, oh, of course that one's gonna kill. That was man, like that was the Beast crazy.
2: song, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course that's gonna kill. <laughs> like, yeah,
3: it was so fun.
2: Well, uh Gareth, uh
1: play Prayer to God now. Thou of North America. Catalog number TG two eleven C D. Audio compact disc. kHz sample rate, 16 bit word length, samples represented in 2's complement binary, 8 to 14 expansion, sets reproducer for reference level, 1000 Hz.